0: good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fan-tabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. It's another What If Wednesday, everybody. You guys have loved these episodes, and I really love making them. So we've got a great What If Wednesday today. For those who don't know what What If Wednesday is, first of all, subscribe, download, rate, review, and uh, keep coming back. It is much appreciated. But number two, What If Wednesdays is where we go through the sports landscape, sometimes, well, sometimes basketball, sometimes college football, sometimes college basketball, overwhelmingly NFL, at least in our first few What If Wednesdays. And we tweak one event In NFL history, and talk about how that adjusts the NFL landscape just by making one little tweak and how it changes everything in the landscape. And this week's story is one that I've been interested in talking about for a long, long time. Because it's one of the most remarkable stories that I can recall in not just the NFL circles, but in sports because we've talked before about perpetual mediocrity and uh, the idea that perpetually mediocre teams end up not really having a plan and end up tripping themselves in cycles over and over and they go through new gms and they go through new coaches and new quarterbacks because they don't really stick to a plan it blows up just as their rebuilds are getting underway they have to start rebuilding again It is really, really difficult to be a great team in the NFL, but also not because the cycles of the NFL legislate parity better than all of the other sports leagues. You have more turnover of teams in the NFL than any sport, uh, including including the NBA, which has a really slow rate of turnover. The MLB, which has a high rate of turnover, but not as high as... The NFL and the MLB, you can have teams go 20 years without making the playoffs. And more than the NHL, which is just complete and other random chaos. So the NFL has more parity, but still teams find themselves as perpetual rebuilders. And this is the perfect week to do this story of what would have happened had Ben McAdoo not benched Eli Manning in 2017 because this week was 412. And 412 for the past few years has been my routine joke at the expense of the New York Giants. Because I remember the time when Tom Coughlin and the Giants were really good. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a decade ago. It has been a damn decade since the New York Giants were any kind of relevant in the NFL circles. They won the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, Super Bowl 46. 10 damn years ago. It was actually February of 2012, but the 2011 season was the Giants Super Bowl. It's been 10 years since the New York Giants won a Super Bowl, and that's the last time they've been any kind of relevant in the NFL circles, because over the last nine seasons, the New York Giants have had one playoff appearance in which they got smacked in the wildcard game by the Green Bay Packers. They have not won the NFC East in over a decade. They have not made the playoffs since 2016. And by the way, they have had the worst record of any team in the NFL across the last three, or I'm sorry, the last three seasons before last year. Now they're like second or third worst, but after their six and 10 season. But they've had the worst record in the NFL over the last from 2018 to 2000 or no 2017 to 2019 and in 2017 i talk about this all the time it's crazy that ben mcadoo got fired for being right which is just lunacy when you think about it in hindsight ben mcadoo benched eli manning and it got geno smith into the game they lost that game but they were going for a top pick and because the fan base turned on Eli, or turned on Ben McAdoo, the Maras were put under immense pressure to fire McAdoo coming off of a playoff appearance. Yes, the team was bad, but the team was intentionally designed to be bad. They were tanking by the time the second half of the season rolled around. Their goal was to get the top pick in the draft, which wasn't going to happen because Cleveland was about to go 0-16, But they were still trying to get as high a draft pick as possible from a management standpoint. And benching Eli Manning for Geno Smith, which was without question as bad as Eli Manning was at 37 years old or 36 years old or whatever he was in 2017, Geno Smith was worse than Eli Manning. There is no question about it. They benched Eli Manning so that they would lose a game to the Raiders. And because of that, the Giants fan base got Ben McAdoo fired that week. They put so much pressure on the Maras that there was no chance Ben McAdoo was going to face the New York Giants fans again the following week. And so with four weeks left in the season, Ben McAdoo got fired. The Giants went 3-13 and got the number two pick in the draft. Dave Gettleman was hired. He brought in Pat Shermer as head coach And from there, it's been a shit show ever since because they took Saquon Barkley with the number two pick. The following year took Daniel Jones with the number six pick, took DeAndre Baker at pick 30 after trading up. He's obviously no longer on the team. And they took Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick in the draft. They have botched that top of the draft, built a nice little team around them, but botched the top of the draft and from there have had one of the worst records in the NFL across four seasons under Dave Football Gettleman and the final year of the Maras and Ben McAdoo and whoever the GM was before that. I don't even know what his name was. But what would have happened had Ben McAdoo just left Eli Manning in the game against the Raiders, wouldn't have broken Eli Manning's streak, and the New York Giants had gone into the offseason with McAdoo still as the coach, because I cannot emphasize this enough. The reason Ben McAdoo got fired by the Giants was because after he benched Eli Manning, the fan base turned on him. Was that the final straw of a long losing season? Absolutely. But ownership knew they were trying to lose. They put Geno Smith in, the GM and the coach, because they were not trying to beat the Raiders. And the GM got fired, and Ben McAdoo got fired over it for trying to execute a tank to get a top pick in the draft, which, oh, by the way, was then used to select Saquon Barkley, which was a little too high for a running back. As great as Saquon Barkley is, little too high for a running back. Because Saquon Barkley, even if he's great, is already making top 10 money in the league. Anyways, that's just based on his draft slot. So what if Eli Manning started week 13 against the Oakland Raiders, the one that got Jack Del Rio fired? I think they finished like 6-10 and 10 that season. So not even a memorable game. It was only memorable because it broke Eli Manning's consecutive start streak and the Giants fans turned against McAdoo and got him and the GM fired because of pressure that was put on the Maras. To fire those two and I tell Giants I say this all the time Giants fans you are the reason that your team is perpetually mediocre you brought in Dave Gettleman even though Dave Gettleman probably would have been hired anyways you got Ben McAdoo fired you did this to yourselves Giants fans and Ben McAdoo can't even get a job anymore which is just lunacy even though I don't think he would have made it very far as we'll talk about when we go through this rebuild it is still crazy that Ben McAdoo is now a pariah for being right that Eli Manning was washed. It's absolutely crazy. So what if the Giants don't bench Eli? Well, in the 2017 season, the Giants were 2-10 at this point, and pressure from the Giants fans got Ben McAdoo fired. But what if Ben McAdoo had not benched Eli and kept his job? Well, In this scenario, the Giants end up starting Eli Manning. In that game against Oakland, Geno Smith had an 89 QBR, and the team lost by 8 points. Well, we can change this scenario by putting Eli Manning in the game. Now, Eli Manning, again, was not the same Eli Manning as before. But if Eli Manning could play better than Geno Smith's 89 QBR, all of a sudden we make it a tie game or at the very least a one possession game at which point all you need is one drive one drive down the field to beat the Raiders and you are going to win in Oakland as the New York football Giants and this is the thing people don't realize about the 2017 Giants team is that they had talent still there Janoris Jenkins was still playing on the team after his huge contract uh, Dominique rogers cromartie was still there. Snacks Harrison was still the defensive tackle who they gave a bunch of money to. Olivier Vernon wouldn't be traded until the offseason to Cleveland. They had a lot to work with in this scenario. And so the Giants beat the Raiders in Oakland with Eli Manning throwing a 101 QBR, which to be fair would be above his season average but still would have been better than Geno Smith against a putrid Raiders defense. So, if we flip one result and say that Eli Manning versus Geno Smith was enough for the Giants to beat the Oakland Raiders in Oakland week 14 of the NFL season in 2017, just a meaningless December game between two really bad teams, now we have... Flipped up a draft order, ladies and gentlemen. Because now... We have... The Giants finishing the season 4-12. and Because mind you, Geno Smith did get the benching, but they put Steve Spagnolo in as an interim head coach with the mandate that Eli Manning was the quarterback. And because they mandated Eli Manning was the quarterback... The Giants ended up winning in week 17 against Washington. So assuming the exact same scenario plays out with Ben McAdoo still as head coach, the Giants waltz their way to a four and 12 record GM still gets fired, but McAdoo stays and they hire Dave Gettleman as McAdoo and McAdoo remains as head coach for a third season. And so I cannot emphasize this enough, McAdoo wasn't fired because he went 2-11. He was fired, part of it was that, but he was fired ultimately because he benched Eli Manning. And so if he never benches Eli Manning, Ben McAdoo is still alive. And now, the Maras, without having to defend Eli Manning, like, ridiculously to the press, They may now be more open to a quarterback shift, and this becomes even more plausible when you look at what the draft order has now become in the NFL draft. The draft order now goes Cleveland, New York Jets, Cleveland, New York Giants. Then you go down to Denver, who is already the five pick, Indy, who is the six pick, And the Raiders holding the seven pick in the NFL draft instead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who would ultimately trade with Buffalo so that Buffalo could end up with a. Buffalo could end up with Josh Allen. I was going to say a quarterback, but so Buffalo could end up with Josh Allen. So. Buffalo is still eager to move up to that point in the draft, either 7 or 8. They already traded for 7. We could have them trading with the Raiders. But this also changes the draft order here because another reason the Giants took Saquon Barkley in 2018 was that they were not in love with Sam Darnold in combination with the fact that they were defending Eli Manning as their guy from this point going forward. So the new draft order changes up everything because if we go through that 2018 draft, this is the original draft pick order. So Cleveland at one picks Baker Mayfield. Giants at two picks Saquon Barkley. Three pick Jets pick Sam Darnold after trading up with the Colts. Four, the Browns take Denzel Ward. Five, the Broncos take Bradley Chubb. Six, the Colts take Quinton Nelson. Seven, the Buffalo Bills trade up and draft Josh Allen. 10 Arizona Cardinals, they trade up and draft Josh Rosen. 32 Baltimore picks Lamar Jackson. So here is the situation that plays out in the new draft order. So first pick in the draft is Cleveland. Still Baker Mayfield, first overall. Number two is the Jets, who have just traded up with the Colts. Maybe they had to throw in an extra draft pick to get from three to two. The Jets take Sam Darnold with the second pick in the draft. Third pick is Cleveland. Cleveland, with the third pick, selects Saquon Barkley. So they put Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley as their one and three picks, because mind you, when you look at today's cover art for the podcast, we found an old clip from the Browns that says, with the first overall pick, the Cleveland Browns select Saquon Barkley. People forget Saquon Barkley was paid was pegged as a 99 overall grade for a lot of people. And so Saquon Barkley ended up being the guy that the Giants had to have at number two, despite the fact he was a running back. So Barkley goes at three to Cleveland, which leaves the Giants at pick number four, with no Sam Darnold, no Saquon Barkley, and a glaring need at quarterback now being acknowledged by the Mara family. Which means, with the fourth pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. And wouldn't landing Josh Allen 100% change the fortunes of your franchise right in that very moment? Maybe not in the short term, but over the long run, Getting Josh Allen at pick number four, which by the way, they probably should have done at pick number two in the first place, changes the tide of your franchise. So the Giants get Josh Allen with pick number four. Buffalo trades up to number seven, same trade as before, and they pick Josh Rosen. And the Cardinals are content to sit there at pick number 15. And end up with Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. Boy, is that craziness right there. And by the way, the rest of the draft plays out fairly similarly. Raiders end up with, uh, the Raiders end up picking Colton Miller down at 12 instead of 15. Um, but with the keeping of the seventh pick or the eighth pick, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, instead of picking Vita Vea at twelve, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pick corner Denzel Ward, and that is a major victory. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because now you have a legitimate corner number one. So, without the Ravens needing to trade up to land Lamar Jackson at pick 32, and by the way, Ravens fans, if you're sad about losing Lamar Jackson, your consolation prize is that you get Vita Vea. Congratulations. At least that's like a consolation prize instead of picking Hayden Hurst is that you walk away with Vita Vea. So without the Ravens needing to trade up to pick 32, the Eagles keep the 32nd pick in the draft. And one of the biggest glaring needs for the Eagles coming out of the Super Bowl was the running back position. They actually end up drafting Denell Pumphrey later on in the draft. But one of the most glaring needs was the running back position. And so, without Cleveland needing a running back early in the second round anymore, the Eagles, at pick 32, draft running back Nick Chubb from Georgia, who would end up becoming one of the, sec- the two best running backs in the NFL over the last two seasons, right with Derrick Henry. And the Browns, you could, I mean, we could look at this from the Browns standpoint because this is the last big move of the draft. You have uh, Saquon to the Browns, you have Josh Allen going to the Giants, you have uh, Josh Rosen going to Buffalo, you have Lamar Jackson going to the Cardinals, and you have Denzel Ward going to Tampa, Vita Vea to the Ravens, and Nick Chubb going to the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's kind of the last big move we have of the draft. And so You could look at this from that point and look at what the Eagles end up with and say that this is a big victory. But for the Browns, the Browns add Saquon Barkley, but what you lose by adding Saquon Barkley is Denzel Ward and the picking of Nick Chubb later on in the draft. and The Browns go on to pick some defensive end who gets busted real quick in the league. I don't know his name. But it was the top defensive end available and defensive end was the Browns' next draft pick. So they bust out pretty quickly with that pick. But they lose out on Nick Chubb with a tough, like, yeah, plus Saquon Barkley, minus Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward, tough little break there for the Browns. And if you're wondering what happened to the Bills, just imagine the Bills with Josh Rosen. Just envision them as the Broncos with Drew Locke. That's kind of just your vision right there. Buffalo is like the Broncos this year. They're sitting at like the seven or eight pick in the draft, debating whether or not to pick a quarterback because they have, I don't know, Tyrod Taylor as their alternative quarterback option again. So the Bills feel kind of like the Broncos. So imagine the last two, three years for the Bills going like the Broncos with Drew Locke, and they are definitely in the market for a quarterback this year. And by the way, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because there's not much to really add, just, invi- just it's not going to help them in the short term, but just imagine Denzel Ward as their starting corner on that championship team. It's a pretty good addition to have on your team. So, with that being said, how does this play out post-2018 NFL Draft? Well, we talked about this from the Browns' standpoint, the Bills' standpoint, and the Bucks' standpoint already. But let's talk about the three, and by extension, four teams who have their futures adjusted dramatically by this move by the Giants. And we'll start with the Baltimore Ravens, because the Baltimore Ravens run starts in 2018. You see, the Ravens subtract Lamar Jackson, and people forget in that 2018 season, Joe Flacco started the year, I want to say, 2-6. and six. They turned it over to Lamar Jackson. They finished 7-1, made the playoffs by winning the AFC North. Maybe they were 3-5. But there were reports in December, John Harbaugh was going to be fired following the season. And he put in Lamar Jackson, they made the playoffs, and John Harbaugh got a contract extension. So in our new scenario, without the draft pick of Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens fire John Harbaugh after the 2018 season. And John Harbaugh, looking around at the landscape, has his pick of the litter of any of the head coaching jobs that he wants. Because John Harbaugh is a Super Bowl winning coach. He can get any job he wants at this point in the hiring process. And who does he end up joining of all the available head coaching openings? Why, that would be the Green Bay Packers, of course of course he's going to take a job coaching the Green Bay Packers. Because who wouldn't want that job with Aaron Rodgers and company, even if they'd been poor the last couple of years. And people are saying, but they would have hired LaFleur no matter what. If you put John Harbaugh in front of them, I think it changes the math on this hiring process. So John Harbaugh goes to the Green Bay Packers as his pick of the litter as head coach. And the Ravens, looking for quarterback options in 2019, end up trading for Jimmy Garoppolo from the 49ers, and with the 25th pick in the draft, instead of picking Marquise Hollywood Brown, pick Daniel Jones. Because Daniel Jones probably would have slid that far had the Giants not picked him at pick number six. So... Daniel Jones and Jimmy Garoppolo are the dynamic duo leading Baltimore forward with Lafleur, maybe. I don't know who their new coach would have been. Not really important to this story. What's important is just the change of events where John Harbaugh goes to Green Bay and the Ravens end up with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyler Murray. I'm sorry, not Daniel Jones. Which brings us to the next point. The Cardinals have Lamar Jackson which means they're able to win with Lamar Jackson as a rookie. Not win and good enough to make the playoffs, but good enough to make the stepping stone forward to like 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven, instead of the 3-13 and 13 slum they had with uh, Mike McCoy and Josh Rosen, etc. Now maybe they stunt Lamar Jackson's growth. It's entirely possible that the Cardinals stunt Lamar Jackson's growth and he doesn't become the awesome weapon that he is. We're going to infer that he does become the awesome weapon that he is in Arizona. But now the draft order has changed in 2019 because you take the Cardinals off the one line, who slides up to number one? The San Francisco 49ers. And yes, they could be tempted to take Nick Bosa, but you best believe Kyle Shanahan is picking... Kyler Murray with the first pick in the NFL draft. So Kyler goes to San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo becomes expendable. They trade him to Baltimore, who's in need of a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a stopgap for Daniel Jones, who gets time to develop as a starter the way Daniel Jones probably should have been given time to develop as a starter. So the 49ers end up with Kyler Murray and the I'm sorry, the 49ers end up with Kyler Murray. And by the way, the 2019 season, they made a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. So you can infer what it might have looked like with Kyler Murray on that team. Just going to throw it out there. You can infer what you want to infer about whether or not the 49ers could have made the Super Bowl and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll throw that out there. Leave it up to your discretion if you want to change a Super Bowl champion. So, Kyler Murray's on the 49ers. Lamar Jackson's on the Cardinals. Jimmy Garoppolo's on the Ravens. It's this weird like three-way triangle of changing quarterbacks. So, and by the way, you also have Daniel Jones with the Ravens. And John Harbaugh is in Green Bay. So those are the changes that we've seen so far through the 2019 season. We talked about the Bills becoming the new Denver Broncos. Good defense, solid team around them. Josh Rosen's just kind of your... Problem here, your problem child, and keeping you out of the playoffs. So you're basically like the Broncos for a few seasons. So Cleveland is with Saquon, but without Nick Chubb or Denzel Ward, which brings us to the Giants. The 2018 season goes really poorly for the Giants with an emphasis on Josh Allen's development. Eli Manning started the season. Josh Allen takes over around week three or four the way Daniel Jones did. However, because they've now invested in the young quarterback, the Giants don't trade Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns for Jabril Peppers and Dexter Lawrence. And the New York Giants, following the, let's say they have the same record as the year before, I think like 5-11, and 11, Let's say they go 5-11 and 11 still, even with Josh Allen instead of Daniel Jones, because, again, Josh Allen was really bad his first two seasons in the league, mind you. So the Giants got the number five pick in the draft, because, again, they originally had the number six pick, but moved the Arizona Cardinals out of the top of the draft. And the Cardinals, like, way out of the top of the draft, so just move everyone else down a bit. So you have the 49ers at pick one. They took Kyler Murray. Number two is now the New York Jets. They're going to take Nick Bosa with the number two pick in the draft. So that's a change that maybe some people are more interested in than myself. I saw it as more of a cool side note that Nick Bosa, Defensive Rookie of the Year, ends up on the New York Jets. Third pick, Raiders. They take Quinn and Williams. Fourth pick, Tampa Bay. They still take Devin White, who they took originally with the fifth pick. Giants at pick number 5 without a need for a quarterback pick linebacker Josh Allen to go with the other Josh Allen but play on the defensive side of the ball with the fifth pick in the draft. Not sexy, but a solid deep pick at the linebacker position. So they get Josh Allen on defense, they still have Josh Allen on offense, which I love that both Josh Allens ended up on the same team and the Cleland-Furl goes later on in the draft. You can figure out to who, but it's not really important. Um, Cleland-Furl was originally the fourth pick in the 2019 draft, for those who are wondering. And Daniel Jones goes to the Ravens, and Drew Locke goes to the Broncos. Uh, kind of the only like really interesting changes from the 2019 draft. So, Ben McAdoo still gets fired after the 5-11 season. Dave Gettleman wants to hire his own coach. They fire Ben McAdoo. Well, now there's two coaches that are available because of the way that this coaching cycle has gone. You see, with Lamar Jackson's success, Steve Wilkes is still the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And with the hiring of John Harbaugh, Matt LeFleur is still available on the coaching market headed to 2019 after spending another year with the Titans. So, LeFleur is the hot up and coming name on the coaching hiring tour of 2019. And because everyone else hires the coaches that they were originally going to, you know, Freddie Kitchens to the Browns, um, you see Adam Gase to the Jets, uh, you see what else would be in 2019? Brian Flores to the Dolphins. You see a lot of the original hires that were made. The Giants have their pick between Kingsbury and LeFleur. Well, let's say because of the offense they are trying to run that the New York Giants bring in LeFleur. And let's say that they go on their spending spree in 2019 and the Giants pay to sign Le'Veon Bell. So now they have Josh Allen and Le'Veon Bell with Odell Beckham Jr. going into the 2019 season with Matt LeFleur as their head coach. Well, 2019, that's a nice little upgrade they've got there. 2019, again, doesn't go great for the Giants, but the development is there. They end up getting, you know, a middle round seven and nine record. They get a middle tier pick because Josh Allen's development is still ongoing. The Giants draft Andrew Thomas again because Andrew Thomas slides to like pick 13 because Jedrick Wills gets drafted beforehand. Um, uh, Tristan Wirfs gets picked before them. Kai Becton gets picked before them. So the Giants still end up with Andrew Thomas later on in the draft, which they would have ended up with in that year because Andrew Thomas was the fourth offensive lineman graded, according to most people. So let's say that going into 2020, Josh Allen's progressions look similar to what ended up happening in Buffalo. So Josh Allen, where he has Odell as his version of Stephon Diggs, obviously Odell lesser extent to Stephon Diggs, but still a great wide receiver at this point. So with Odell as his Stephon Diggs and Le'Veon Bell as his running back, the New York Giants crush NFC East opponents and they create an absolute powerhouse in the NFC because here's what the NFC standings look like. Somehow missing the playoffs in 2020 would be the injured 49ers with Kyler Murray, who just went to and maybe won the Super Bowl with Kyler as a rookie. Then you have the Rams, seven seed. Then you have the Seahawks, six seed, same team. 5th seed, Brady and the Bucks with Denzel Ward. And the reason I'm doing this full breakdown is because it's a perfect description of how this changed. The 2020 season gives you the perfect picture of how the entire NFL landscape changed by one decision by Ben McAdoo. So, missing the playoffs, Kyler and the 49ers. Rams, still the seven seed, John Walford, Jared Goff. Six seed Seahawks, same Seahawks team that lost to the Rams in the playoffs. Fifth seed Brady and the Bucks with Denzel Ward as their corner. Number four seed A- or NFC West champions Lamar Jackson MVP Lamar Jackson and the Arizona Cardinals. Three seed the New Orleans Saints team that won 13 games last year with either Taysom Hill or Drew Brees and his broken ribs. Two seed Josh Allen and the New York Giants. Winners of the NFC East, crushers of the NFC East, end up number two seed in the NFC playoffs. And the number one seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers, with MVP Aaron Rodgers and John Harbaugh as their coach. Who comes out of the NFC? It's probably still Mother Bleep and Tom Brady, but it's still a remarkable story to think about. When the Bucks play the Packers. And the Saints play the Giants. But the Brady Bucks team has to go through Lamar and Arizona. Instead of Taylor Heineke and Washington in the first playoff game. So do they even make it to the second round of the playoffs? It's a crazy story to think about. But this is the perfect in- encapsulation of how everything changed. That so you have Rodgers and John Harbaugh. Number one seed Packers. Josh Allen and Matt LaFleur, two seeded Giants with Le'Veon Bell and Odell Beckham. Three seeded Saints with 13 wins. Four seed is the Cardinals with Lamar Jackson. Five seed is Brady and the Bucks, but they have Denzel Ward. And missing the playoffs is the 49ers with Kyler Murray, who just won the NFC the year before, but got decimated by injuries and also don't have Nick Bosa anymore. So, that's the trade-off that you make, and they got whatever they got in exchange for Jimmy Garoppolo from Baltimore. Maybe it was a franchise-altering trade, but probably just got some pieces for, maybe they got that 50 pick that they gave up to move up to uh, get, maybe they got that same pick that the Ravens gave up to move up and draft Lamar Jackson. And so, Ladies and gentlemen, that is our rebuilding series. What would have happened if you just change one event and put Eli Manning in the game with Ben McAdoo and with, well, I guess in this case, with Ben McAdoo and Geno Smith and kept the Giants in order. Because sometimes when you have a plan, and you stick to it, it works out. But sometimes you doom yourself in the long run. Sometimes it's just public pressure ends up causing you your destruction or your demise. Sometimes it's as simple as flipping a Josh Allen pick. If you just pick a quarterback in 2018 instead of Saquon Barkley, your fortunes change dramatically if you're the Giants. And Dave Gettleman looks like a genius. He's built another winner. With the New York Giants because he picked Josh Allen, and because he brought in the other Josh Allen, and because he signed Le'Veon Bell, and Odell Beckham is the perfect compliment. Like, Dave Gettleman looks like a genius at this point in time. One move changes everything in that respect. And for the Giants, it was just enough to turn their tides, build a strong defense, and complement it with a really, really good offense with Josh Allen and some protection on the offensive line and Odell Beckham and Le'Veon Bell. Just enough to change the tides for those New York football giants. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping into the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday. Sunday is wired up. Uh, I guess we don't have advertisements today, but we will begin advertisements very, very soon, ladies and gentlemen, so stay on the lookout for that. We are moving on up to the big leagues, moving on up. Thank you again for stopping in today, everybody. We have a radio show at 1 West Coast time on Open Talk Radio, 313 The Flash. Type that into Facebook or Instagram to find Open Talk Radio, 313 The Flash, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And as always, take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This has been another installment of What If Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E. AV on YouTube.